Mist Cues is recorded on the traditional and unceded territory of the Keitsi, Kwantlen, Lumi, Suwasan, and Wasanich peoples, and also in the Treaty 7 territory, the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy, Tanaha, Miti, and Sutina peoples. Welcome to Mist Cues, the podcast where we talk about theater over some drinks. My name is Thomas Gage. My name is Kate here Stadel. It's the one you only Kate <laughs> oh, That's a Mist Cue. It's perfect. The fucking ED of Ghost River Theater Company over in Alberta. And Calgary. my best friend, Calgary. Aww. Calgary's your doing? best friend? That's so nice. No. <laughs> 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 Absolutely not. <laughs> I'm doing good. I got I my vaccine Calgary. today, Thomas. Oh, yeah. Uh, I got the AstraVeneca, so I apparently am going to turn into a zombie. Yeah. Uh, it was awesome. Oh, that's Johnson & Johnson. Oh, right. <laughs> You're good. That one got pulled. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this this one only gets pulled when it's convenient <laughs> for marketing. <laughs> it just has bad PR. That's all. Yeah, it has really bad PR. I went for uh, it. I didn't care. And I felt like this was like a really good. I I am never a hundred percent sure if I'm a Gen Xer or a millennial, and I kind of will go either millennial. way. That no, don't try to be Gen Xer. The majority. No, but this time I kind of want to because. <laughs> so at least in Alberta, uh, AstraZeneca. You know, it was released to 55 to 65-year-olds at one point, and, like, no one came. It was, like, fucking crickets in the yeah. TELUS Convention Center. And then last night it was 1981 and up, and it was packed. And they were like, we gave out more shots yes, uh, to, in the last 24 hours than we did in a week because uh-huh. of, like, the way they opened it up that they did. So we were all like, score one for the Gen Xers. And I also was like, I'm used to taking Boomer's dirty garbage vaccine. <laughs> Yeah, see, but the Gen X are is like, yeah, I'll just take the dirty vaccine and shut up about it. The millennial is like, nah, this one's great. What are you talking about, you fucking boomers? Get over yourselves. You're a millennial. Be a millennial. Uh, sure. Yeah. I'm usually a millennial when people are ragging on millennials, so I'm like, no, that's me. Whatever. Yeah. I'm I'm Kate. That's really what it is. But I did feel very proud of myself for not being a vaccine shopper and just picking. I'll say that now. I don't have a blood clot yet, so maybe later on I might regret this, but so far yeah. I feel fine. Well, speaking of, like, I feel like it's cool that that gets a bad rap, but, like, apparently blood clots are a lot more common than gets reported on in general, so. And the only time they gave a shit is when a dude actually got a blood clot, so. Oh. It's actually really common in women. Probably a white dude, too. <laughs> Yeah, British white dude. Like medicine, <laughs> medicine for for people of color and women does not yeah. exist in the same. No. Uh, and that's true. I'm not being an idiot. Um, so part of the show is drinking. Uh, so it's time to introduce our third character, Kate. What are you drinking? Oh man, if I had I'm any cool excited. points, if I had any cool points for anyone in the history of people I've ever talked to, they are all out the window today. <laughs> I'm so and I don't. Excited. I kind of don't care anymore, and maybe that will make me cool points. But I am drinking Lucky Lager because it was <laughs> on sale, and I actually don't mind it. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! Well, lucky. I have become full Terry, being out. So there's this 
There's these uh, radio DJs in the morning that I really like here on this station called X92.9 and they're Beckler and Shauna. And they refer to these like Canadians, like the like, you know, mulleted, like baseball cap, smoking a dart Canadians as Terry's. And that's like, <laughs> I think it's the funniest thing ever. So I feel like I've gone full Terry, like drinking Lucky Lager now. So I did I see, it. I did proudly see today. <laughs> I totally saw Terry smoking a dart through a mask today, and it was hilarious. <laughs> this is my Calgary experience today. It was wonderful. I was very, I was laughing very hard about that. <laughs> I'm like, I wish that I had paid attention harder because it was one of those moments where I was like, wait, what? Did I just see that? And like, didn't 100% catch it? I didn't, I saw him suck it in through the mask, but I didn't see how he blew it out. And I was like, oh, that would have been far more entertaining to see if it like went back in his face or like through the mask or was there a hole punched in the middle of it? <laughs> yeah, his ears. Glorious, glorious Terry. What are you drinking, yeah. Tom? I'm drinking that other lager that I like that I talked about last time. The, the one that you don't remember the name of? Yeah, the orange one. Yeah, so that, that one time I had the black one and this time I got the orange <laughs> Still don't know the name of either of those. Like this. Boom. Why don't you know the name of them? Yeah. Oh, you drink them out of cups, like a freaking. I drink them. Plastic. Toity toity. <laughs> yeah, my lips don't 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 go well on on lid on, on canned lids. I'm trying to waste less. <laughs> Been missing Great. theater. Yesterday I watched. Yeah, uh, I started watching Fences. And I just had a smile on my face the whole time. Not because it's funny. It's not very funny. It's a very What's, heavy. I actually. What is it? Play. I don't even know what it is. It's Denzel Washington. Yeah. He direct, like it's like a couple years old. Like it did something at the Academy Awards. I don't remember what it was. It's on Netflix. It's great. It's 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 a it's an August Wilson play. He was. Oh. August, um, it's a, it, so it's the play turned into a movie it. though, right? Yeah. But they made no attempts to actually make it into a movie. They're like, "Fuck it, this is just a fucking play." <laughs> like from the first line, you're like, "You're like, oh, this is a play." And then, and that's where I was like, like my mind was spinning. Right? It's like, like I just want more plays to do this. Like, not give a shit that like, yeah. like, like, it's not staged, right? Like, it's not like that thing where like, oh, you're on stage and you're projecting and it's awkward because you're projecting to a camera. Like, they get to get benefit like from close-ups and like that 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 yeah. in-your-face stuff. Yeah. Um, while not giving a shit about turning it into a movie movie it was great so okay so that's fascinating to me because sometimes i feel like when when plays or musicals turn into movies and they try too hard to make it like it's theater then it sucks but when they kind of go no we have this medium we're not going to ignore this medium we're going to use it as is yeah then i think that that's when they're more successful yeah yeah, and I think, like, they did that. Like, they, they didn't ignore it, right? Like, you still have montages that you wouldn't have had in a play. Like, right. they they introduced the characters on the back of a garbage truck, which I'm sure isn't how the characters get introduced. But, you know, like, so there there is more movie-making in it, but, like, everything, like, there's just as much dialogue as there... Like, like for me, it's more, like, about the media itself, right? This theater is dialogue-reliant, right? Like, the action is conveyed through dialogue. It's very based in revelations things that you can show like if it's if it's visual actions it's it's visual action that you can show on stage right it's not mm -hmm. it's not um it is spec it can be spectacle right but like most of it is conveyed through dialogue right like even even um uh it doll's house what's her fate nora leaving 
like it's a visual action but all of her, like the the weight of what she's doing is actually conveyed in her um barbs to torvald right so and and so that's what i was just relishing was just mm. the exquisite language and dialogue like characters being revealed through dialogue um, right. narrative being revealed through dialogue turning points through dialogue like everything hinging on dialogue right so less sort of spectacles but yeah less about like the edit right like much less about sure. the the photography or the the shot and more about, i felt like, like um like that movie birdman was like that for me and that was I not seen birdman even yeah. though it was oh dude it's very theater it's like, based it is. i think it's well it's about a play but it's yeah. like it's not it didn't start as a play it wasn't like written as a play on broadway it was full-blown like always a movie but because i don't know it just had so much like feelings of theater in it not just because it's about theater it's it's just the way it was done they did a really good job of that there's a there's another one i watched recently where i felt that through like 75% of the play of the movie. I actually Googled to see if it was a play for us. It's, it's called the aeronauts. It's with, um, uh, what's his name? Eddie Redmayne. Oh Eddie yeah. Redmayne and, uh, Felicity, Felicity, Felicia, Felicity, Felicity Huffman. Huffman, not Huffman. The one oh, that's with him, the one that does the, the one with him, um, the doctor, the Stephen King one with him. I don't know, dude. I don't even know your name right. half the time. Like, yeah, let's fine. be real. Yeah, no, it's, it's <laughs> right. I don't either. So, um, I don't. I don't know the beer that I just opened. I'm, I'm so not a why are, person. Why are we? <laughs> we're all, to go we're all very clear on this. Anyway, they did one called the Aeronauts, where like it's all about blimp, and like that's very visual. And like I thought, like like, but most of the action happens over dialogue. Like most of mm. like up to the seventy five percent point. Like at the seventy five percent point, I was like. Well, it would be cool to see this as a play, but it'd be fucking hard to stage <laughs> because, of, yeah. like, that's where it starts. Being. But that's kind of but the yeah. fun of theater too, is like trying to like tackle those problems. Oh, and... yeah. Like one of the things that like uh, one of my playwriting uh, uh, teachers like was always like teaching us is yes, like think about how something is going to be staged, but always try to like write one thing that's like let them figure it out. Like, you know, I don't know how they're going to do it. Just do I have... like. This is very, like, I have to say, like, Eric said something, Eric Eric Rose, our artistic director of Ghost River Theatre, he said something the other day, he kind of said it in passing, but it has really stuck with me. It, 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 it kind of annoys me as someone who's very practical and has to produce shit, but it also just enamors me in the fact that, like, this is how he works. And he said, you know, he was, like, talking about, like, a project that he had an idea for, and he was just sort of, like, riffing and blah, 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 and, like, you know, freestyling it, and then... Uh, you know, and as we were talking, I was like, well, what about this? Ah, what about this thing? Man, this yeah, is practical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, and he's you're like, thinking hey. Like, yeah. No, he actually, and he goes, you know what I'd like to do? And it wasn't like we were fighting or anything. He was like, you know what i like to do? I want to dream and I want to like think of the art first and the practicality and the technicality second. And I was like, awesome. Like, I'm like, totally. Because you know what? Why would you build your vision and your art around limitations. You can edit your vision and your art around limitations, but why would you build it in a workshop environment, in a grant environment, in just like a pitch around like what may or may not be possible? And I thought that that was like quite fascinating. And I was like, you know what? And and the way that he said it, it wasn't arrogant. It wasn't yeah. like 
do what I fucking say because I'm like the art. It was, no, this is the way that I want to work and then we'll work on those things later. And I thought that was really, I, I don't know, that stuck with me for like two weeks. I haven't like told him that yet. He kind of just said it in passing one day and it was like not a big deal. Anyways, yeah. very fast. No, I think it's a collaborative equivalent of basically don't edit yourself before you write, right? Like, yeah. like get the words out on paper. You, you, you'll have drafts where you get to edit it and refine it and be like okay i gotta i gotta cut cut this and and Mm -hmm. like right so you can do that after but like yeah you can do it after and i think even with the technicality a lot of the stuff that he pitches you're going oh my god that's gonna cost a fortune and that's impossible but he's like let's figure that out later yeah yeah and i'm like no actually yes you're right like and i really appreciated that sort of like feedback because for me it was almost like necessary because otherwise I would be like, I don't want to do anything because writing grants is a pain in the ass. Making contracts is sometimes annoying. <laughs> you know, like doing a budget is like annoying. And I'm like, oh, wait, if I didn't do those things, then nothing would ever happen. So yeah. let's like take a step back and like actually think about why I'm doing those things. And then later I'll figure out how to do them practically. And it was great. I quite appreciated that. Okay. Good. Did you see August Osage County, like the play and or the movie? I saw the movie. Okay. Did you, was it good? I feel like it was good. I think I saw it. I'm trying, the reason why I'm bringing it up is because I'm thinking of it as being like a play that actually was Was not a terrible film. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Like, I... Like I didn't miss theater back then, right? So I, I feel like oh, anytime yeah. you like watch a, a movie that was a play, you're always like, yeah, I want to see it as a play. Like I want to see it on. And that's a thing, right? Like that's always a thing, right? Obviously, like there's always that conversation that like people are always like, well, yeah, but if you put a mo- if you put a, a play on if you film a play, then that's just a, it becomes a movie, and what's the point of having like no again, right? Like like it just it it will make people want to see it live even more. Yeah, I agree. Like I always say, like. If you listen to the album, does that mean you're not going to want to see the band live? Yeah. No, actually, that's wrong. I mean, yeah, like, <laughs> when I said, yeah, like, I was, like, rhetorically, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did I just repeat exactly what you said? Oh, this is terrible. No, no, it's great. This is great. This is great TV. <laughs> Speaking of marketing. <laughs> what? Yeah, we were talking about marketing. We absolutely were. I've been thinking about the segue for like two weeks, so it and it works no matter what we're talking about, so it's fine. Um, I am trying a, a weight loss program that is heavily advertised and does a really good job because it worked on me. What is so it, it? Oh. and it always makes me like. Can you guess which one it would be? No, I don't know things. Oh. Oh, okay. I thought you pay attention to those things. <laughs> um, okay, so it's this one called Noom. Is it the 75? Oh, okay. Oh, Noom. But that's not a weight loss program. That's a habit tracker. <laughs> right? That's the marketing. There you go. See? You already know about that company. Because <laughs> they market it to me because I don't look at of weight like loss programs. My, yes. Oh, my God. You totally knew this is actually such a perfect. This is such a perfect thing into what we're going to be talking about. I know it go, is. Go that's ahead. why I'm an awesome co-host, Tom. Yeah, so. <laughs> I know you are. Well, that's not why. <laughs> I am good at segueing. Anyways, it made me, every time I'm like on it, 
aside from my own personal reasons, I'm like, mm, they worked. And then I get stressed about how it worked, like in terms of their marketing. And I'm like, Tom would have something to say about this. But <laughs> it's, I'm like, whatever. I don't care because it's working right now and I'm fine with it. And I actually kind of like some of their like psych tricks. Like I, I feel like I'm smart enough to like understand why they're doing and what they're doing. Um, it's all just cognitive behavioral therapy is essentially yeah. what they're teaching you. And they're just teaching it through food and like exercise. I, I also read a lot of the stuff that they send me all their little tips every day. And I'm like, this could work for smoking and like drinking or like cocaine or whatever you're addicted to. Or like, if you like want to run again, or, you know, you want to stop doing anything, this would work. Um, what I do like about it though, is like something that I've been like working on in the last like two or three months, something like in my mindful practices that I do do is uh, not like less reactive behavior, like really like not reacting to things, anything like not just like, Oh, someone pissed you off, like write an email and like put it in a draft and send it the next day. Like not even that, like this reactive behavior was like, you feel like you have an itch on your head, try not to itch it and like, don't react to it. Just like take in how it feels like just weird practice like that but it's actually been like super useful in like ways that I did not expect and weirdly enough like this app actually has like very similar tips so I kind of like it. it it makes me like overall it's been making me like a calmer person so I'm mm. quite enjoying like the the overall reaction to it but it stresses me out a little bit that it's like all over commercials constantly and that I've been like psyched into like whatever they're drawing into but whatever <laughs> it's happening now. So I also use, um, turbo <laughs> which I know you oh, hate. They're the devil. <laughs> but I got like $800. So I don't care. <laughs> well, they're the reason that we still have to file our fucking taxes. Anyway, I seriously think we talked about this exact same thing. I'm sure we did. Yeah. Like also quick sidebar it's 420 i don't know <laughs> if that means anything but it's 420 uh, <laughs> yeah. okay these are all the things that i needed to note to you before you got going so oh, i'm glad <laughs> noted noted mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so but these are the things that i think about when i do things is like did i get tricked about marketing or is this a real thing or not I mean, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that marketing is not like good marketing. There are bro marketers out there who are douchebags. who are going to try and trick you. There's sales. There's like slimy salespeople out there. And they absolutely. all live in Whistler. And they all live in Whistler <laughs> and they have COVID, the Brazilian variant. <laughs> or they moved to Kelowna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but like general marketing, like, ex like, or at least this phase of marketing that we're in is more and more like being focused on being genuinely helpful to people, right? Like helping people like find solutions, right? Like, and that's the thing about Noom. It's like, you want that transformation. You want to change. You want better, like whatever that behavior that you're looking for is. It's not forcing you to do something you don't want to. It's a tool that's helping you, giving you the, the, uh, the triggers that you need that help you take the actions that you're trying to do right like i had i had one that was similar it wasn't noom i refused to do noom no i'm just kidding um i just heard about this one first 
and it, it, it did it, it helped me like build a series of habits that I've been trying to get into uh, just because it was being helpful and giving me like the right content at the time that I was looking for it and that's like that's marketing that's good marketing yeah I think so I had a start of a conversation with a friend about marketing versus um what's the word I'm thinking of um reputation yeah branding so thinking on a personal level I had a I had a a a mentor a long time ago tell me don't fucking worry about your reputation it was and and at that time and I still actually kind of feel like that was a good tip because he was like don't worry about what other people fucking think of you. Worry about what you're doing. Now, this was on a personal, like, leadership, professional level, right? And that sort of just, that always stuck with me, and that always sort of felt that way. And I'm, I, I, believe it or not, I, I have a, I'm not an egotistical person. I don't have a, I have a hard time boasting about my own person as a, as a success. <laughs> so, uh, worrying about what other people think of me becomes problematic. So I think that having that notion of don't fucking worry about your, your reputation, your reputation. I think it was more of like a, your reputation will speak for itself kind of attitude. Like if you do good shit, good shit will prevail, you know? And I kind of had like a little argument, not an argument, just like a brief discussion with somebody, but we had to move on. So I was like, we can't talk about this right now. We can talk about this all day. But he did say, well, isn't that just marketing? And I went, ooh, I'm like, that sounds harsh. But I was thinking, I think the reason why that sounded harsh to me was because I was thinking more of on a personal basis as opposed to like branding and like a venue or like a thing you're selling or whatever. Although in some cases, the thing you're selling is yourself. So I, th- I don't know. Tell me what you think about that. Which part did he say sounded like marketing? Like just doing, not worrying about what other people thought of you and just doing things? No, he was shocked that I was very anti-worrying about reputation. No. And he I, said, no, worrying about reputation is marketing. Oh. No, well, I mean, it's... I, 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 we can get into the weeds. Like there's like branding, right? Which is like your reputation. Like this is who we are. This is, or there's personal branding as well, right? Like this is who I am. This is my identity uh, that I'm putting out there in the world to understand, right? Like not as a way, like not as a mask or as a facade, but as a way to, for people to clearly understand what it is that I do and what I'm passionate about. That's my brand, personal brand, company brand, whatever that may be. And then marketing are the steps that you take to basically communicate that brand um, in order to get people down the road to, through sales, to buy from you or whatever. But yeah, so you've got the personal brand that, that is like, this is who I am. And then you've got the content marketing side, which is like creating that content to basically communicate pieces of that in ways that are helpful to people or entertaining, inspiring. But why do you think like I have such an aversion to the term reputation? Because to me, it's like reputation just sounds like rumors and shit. Yeah, maybe, maybe you you just like associate it with negative, like negativity, right? Like if you've got to uphold your reputation, then 
like even reputation maybe you think sounds very fake like it's not like it's not me it's not even me that i'm worrying about it's the thing that people think of me that i need to worry about um which is like why should i have to even worry about that thing like let me just be me and do my stuff and and let that speak for itself yeah 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 which which you know like i i think is a part of like like for anybody who's working on their personal brand like your personal brand should be completely genuine to you like at no point should you be creating stuff in a way that's like out there so to present an image that's not you right like the right personal brand is authentic and genuine like it's like it's like the words that it's like having that word at the tip of your tongue and then you like find it and it fits that's like the right personal brand or company brand right i think this is why i had such an aversion to like us talking about like trying to maintain a reputation it's like well no like we should just be doing our thing and the reputation speaks for itself like i said like it's like if you're like what reputation like first of all i'll just clarify we're talking about a venue like a building and it was like we wanted to talk about reputation and it was like, we want to build a reputation. We want to like be a positive reputation. Yes. I think those things are good. But I was like, it was just that word of reputation. It's like, no, I just want to like be a venue that welcomes a bunch of people. Isn't a pain in the ass. Isn't super expensive and gives you what you need provided we can provide it. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, and it's, it's as, as welcoming as we can possibly do at this moment. Yeah. That was and- it. I personally would pivot from the word p- reputation in that case, right? Like, I'd, I'd, I, like, if somebody was like saying to me, like, yeah, we're trying to uphold our reputation, I'd say, like, okay, so you want to build your brand or you're trying to be known for certain things, right? So, what is it that you want to be known for? Okay, we want to be known for these things. So, when people do talk, like, that's a, that's a very clear strategy for, like in branding, right? Like when people talk about you, what is it that you want people to say? Well, we oh, want them to say God. that we're accessible, we're a place that they want to be, and we're open, we're honest. Okay, great. So you've got these four things that you are clear that you want people to say about you. Now, how do we can communicate that? Like, how do we? And, and then there's like connecting that to the core of who you are, right? So, does your brand like live up to these things that you want people to say? If it doesn't, then there, there's there's a problem there. Either we need to change what you want what your expectations are right like okay no we we actually don't want people to say that because our brand is very different or like who we are is different or you need to change like your brand on a personal level that's so gross (laughs) but like for a venue that's fine like a building like somebody told me somebody was like trying to like convince me and i and i'm still on the fence about it i'm not saying it was a bad idea to build my own personal brand more so that like, you know, it was like the idea, which I agree with was like, you got to get invited to all the tables. I'm like, yeah, I think that's great. But building brand in order to get invited to tables just felt weird to me. It was like, I was like, ah. well then think about it different. Like, th- yeah, I do have to think about it different because clearly like you've got a thing against brand and that's fine right because it sounds like it's a product and i'm like i guess that's i think when you refer to things like when you refer to like humanity as like marketing i think that's when i start having issues with that kind of stuff well it's it's a concept that that communicates right like the, the idea of brand again is that thing that communicates clearly 
what you're about right so like when when if i were to say to you like yeah if you want to if you like you want to be invited to the table more uh so to build your personal brand then what like what, really what that is is like you like you just need to clearly communicate who you are right and my way of doing that is like what's the transformation that you're looking for in the world like that's like the core of what you're about like i am passionate <laughs> it's so much work tom <laughs> Right, yeah. So you don't have to do it, right? Like if you don't want to do the work, I don't want to do it. I just want to like do yeah. my shit. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. so yeah, build your personal brand, or like let's find a way to talk about that in a way that this doesn't make you go. This is slowly turning Ugh. into like my like personal like psychologist appointment. So like, well, yeah, and clearly I need to stop saying the word personal brand because you're just gonna fucking barf. It's just my example, like, okay? It's not, I know. not real. But stop <laughs> thinking about it in terms of a thing that you have to be that's outside of you. It's no, I won't commu- do it. It's commute. No, I'm just. I just want to explain it one last time, right? Like yes, you like we are unlimited potential as human beings. We are like full of you know hopping greeds and passions. Like we are like infinity and wrapped in a shrine of a body. That's what we are. How do you fucking communicate infinity, right? At the same time, you are a very specific set of infinity points that that make who you are today in and projecting, like you are projecting yourself into the future, right? Wanting to be something, right? That might not be super clear, but you have these longings in you to like, I do want something, right? And so like, whatever the term that's not personal brand that we're going to be using is just good communication that's all it comes down to like finding just those right words and the right ways to communicate that that infinity Mm -hmm. and projection to the future sure i am not good at telling those types of stories no but nobody like not nobody most people aren't good at it uh out of the gate. I'm, I already know that I'm not. I don't even try. I had yeah, to explain Yeah, so you're before. ahead of most people then. <laughs> our, we had a board meeting, and they, I gave them a list of our shows or our projects for next season, and they were like, what's this one? I'm like, I'm bad at explaining it. Ask Eric. <laughs> like, that's basically... I was like, I'm not even going to try. That. I'm not even going to. I'm like, here's like, the website link. I don't know. Like, just even say, like, your ability to do that where other people would fucking bullshit their way through it. Well, that's a part of it. I'm also like almost 40 and I like did that f- up until 39 and three quarters. I don't think so you've ever I, bullshitted I've your point. way through life. I don't think you've ever <laughs> bullshitted. Oh, I totally. Well, I don't know. If, uh, I wouldn't say bullshit. I would say fake it till you make it. Like I Everybody like fakes it till they make it. Yeah. I, I, I like, I'm sure feel that space. You... I feel space. <laughs> no. It's all, yes. it's. Yes, and communicating clearly is why people like me have jobs. Like, I'm bad at it for me. Like, anybody who's listened to this podcast is like, fuck, you communicate clearly? Really? Are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) Luckily, I get to sit down, write, and have 25 25 drafts of a thing, and hopefully it's a lot better by draft 25 than it is by draft 1. It's it's definitely easier, though, explaining something else than explaining yourself. Like, have you ever sat down and, like, had to, like, write your resume? You look at my LinkedIn profile, it's it's all over the place. I can tell them... I have conversations with this all the time with all the leadership friends that I have. And I'm like, 
I'm like, I don't know. I do shit that needs to get done. Like, can I just put that on my resume? Yeah. For the love of God. Yeah. Do I have to list everything? Because sometimes there are days where you're like, I just get shit done. That's all. And you're like, I don't want to list all the dumb little things because that, those are the things that need to get done. I think you put that as your, like your your headline on your resume. Like, I, like I just, get shit like, done. I get shit done. I do shit yeah. that needs to get done. Summary. You put that, <laughs> if you put that like on your LinkedIn profile, yeah, great. Oh my god. I had to write a bio the other day that I haven't... Oh, it was such a painful experience for me. You said something interesting to me today, and I'm going to badly... Again, badly explain it, and I need you to, like, push it forward on me. You were talking about like marketing telling stories, but stories yeah. not being true. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So this but is then from. Then it becomes truth okay. because it becomes reality. So this is. So and this, this is, is like from... theater. <laughs> yeah. No. So, okay. So we'll tie it into like what theaters need to do. So this is from Seth Godin's book, All Marketers Tell Stories. Okay. Uh, and so the piece that I was telling you. I'll just read it. Out. Yeah, it was great. Um, what was it? The marketer tells a story, the consumer believes it, and it becomes a lie. And that lie can spread from person to person. Then and only then is the marketer going to succeed and will sales grow. Identifying segments that are most likely to embrace this process is an essential first step in telling your story. So, the idea behind the book is uh, uh, basically that. Uh, marketing is all about telling stories to people uh, and like telling stories that fit within people's worldviews, that fit within your audience's worldviews, right? So let's take Noom for an example. Noom is marketing to people who don't want to do a weight loss program. They've tried weight loss programs or they're always cynical about weight loss programs. They hate weight loss programs, right? Noom is marketing to people who are cynical. And so their marketing is, this is not a weight loss program, right? Like that's what they're saying. They're just going on. It, it is, but it's also not, right? It, it, it's not, it, it's not. So their story is like gonna be along the lines of, you don't need a weight loss program. You need a friend who's going to give you the triggers that you need to change your behavior, right? Like you need an accountability God. partner, right? Like it's like you're my like coach that I got assigned <laughs> to. <laughs> but that's, that's literally that's... all the words they use. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect, right? Because they know what they're doing, right? Like they're yes. not trying to convince and you. And they to go literally the tell you consistently, we're not such and such. We are psychologists. Like, that is the message I'm constantly being given. Because it's all about, like, behavior. Like, they're helping you understand your behavior and then, like, giving you ways to shift your behavior and build better habits, right? And so that's the other part of it, is that not only do they tell a story that they're not a weight loss program, they back it up by actually not being that, right? Like, by mm. being different than everything else. If you started doing it and it was just a weight loss program, you'd be like, fuck this, this is horse shit right and then you think even less about them right so they so there, there's two parts there's a story that they tell three parts 
there's there's the worldview that you have, right? Mm -hmm. There's the story that they tell that fits within that worldview, and then there's the product itself that that is genuine, that that backs it up, right? So Seth Godin talks about lie, like lies and storytelling. Like he's just being, um, like not extreme. He's he's stirring the pot. Like he's saying like basically like human beings tell the like our entire identity is a narrative. Like everything that we do is around a narrative, right? Our worldview is a narrative. Like everything is a narrative, and we choose things that fit that narrative, right? That narrative is not true. Like it's not like it's it's a simp- simplified version of the truth, right? In some some cases, it's not true at all, right? Like we lie to ourselves to justify the things that we believe, right? Um, so his original title for the book was all marketers are liars, right? Because they tell stories that simplify truth, right? Um, that fit within the stories that we are telling ourselves that simplify truth that, that, that aren't true. And then, um, that's by doing so they, they grow an audience. I think that he should have gone farther and talk about like how, like in simplifying truth, you actually help people achieve truth, right? Find truth, right? Like there is a truth in storytelling. There is a truth in, like, even theater, right? You look at theater and like, no, it's not true. Yes, it's an actor in front of me, but that doesn't mean that the things are not true, right? It doesn't mean that like there's not a deeper truth. There's not a greater truth that we're accessing through it, right? And so like, that's the, for me like the full circle of marketing is helping people uncover that deeper truth, right? Helping people find that transformation that helps them, right? T- tying it back into branding, right? Like that, 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 that they, they want a transformation in the world. They want a transformation in it themselves, right? Telling a story that fits within the story that they're already telling themselves instead of trying to argue with them and convincing them to do something that they don't want to do, right? Telling them that story and then effectuating, like, triggering that change that helps them change and, and pivot their worldviews, right? Um, and get that change. It's fascinating, this, like, dichotomy between, like, truth and fiction being told by, like, a human. Because, bear with me here, I have a point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if I don't because, like it, I'll just pivot from it. <laughs> Uh, because I think like, uh, it's exactly what you said, like, like in terms of theater, it's like, okay, like, yeah, like there's things that are happening that are imaginative on stage or imaginative in the, in the text, but it is, there is still truth in it. And if, I mean, of fucking course there's truth in it. It was written by a human being. It was created by a human being. So these things come from like buds of reality and truth that are within us. And then the way that we decide to portray them might be creative. They might be, you know, taking reality and tilting it on its side and, and showing, cause to be honest, like reality is like kind of boring to watch. It's not the most exciting thing in the world. So of course we're going to like try and like, jazz it up a little you know I had this moment today okay so like I said this already I had I got the AstraZeneca vaccine today and 
the form I filled out was like, you must commit to the AstraZeneca. Like, it's like, you know, when you get your second vaccine, I can't be like, now I want Pfizer. It's like, no, you have to get an AstraZeneca. And that's just the way it fucking works. And there's been a lot of talk about like how AstraZeneca actually just has like bad PR. That's like, and like the news is like doing a shitty job of like talking about AstraZeneca. And I was like, I don't know. I had this moment today where I was feeling very defensive over it, obviously because I got it. I actually had a moment though where I was like, oh, I can get a vaccine, but I can get it right away. And it has to be this shitty one that people keep saying is shitty or whatever. The news keeps saying is shitty. And I'm like, no, I will get it because I would rather be 60%, you know, immune than like 0%. And you know what? The odds of me getting the blood clot are low. So, and if I get one, whatever, like I also might win the lottery. So it's like, this is, this is the reality. And talking about like, like the news and, oh my God, I had this weird moment where I was like, oh my God, the news is like so brutes when it comes to like the stories that they tell. And this is why I was thinking of this because you and I were talking about this earlier and I was like, you cannot sit back any news station. They have what a set of, let's say for example, 10 people that choose what you're going to see on the news that day. They choose. There is a filter. There is a story that they want to tell and they want to make it consistent with the story that they told yesterday. And they want to make it consistent so that they can have ratings. They want to make it consistent so that the ratings means that they get more commercial sales and then the commercial sales mean that they get more money and et cetera, et cetera. So I was just thinking about like the bias of like even just the news in general and the stories that they tell and the stories that they choose to tell And is there ever like that moment where they sit back and go, wait a minute, if I keep ragging on AstraZeneca, is this going to be like the end of humanity or like, (laughs) like, is this going to like really fuck with like, you know, efficacy of vaccinations and like immunity and herd immunity and all those things and buzzword here, buzzword there. I don't know. And it was like, it kind of like, I don't know. And then I was like, Oh my God, fake news. Oh God, no, I can't go back to that shit. <laughs> so this is what's really upsetting about like the right wing media's oh. attacks on news, right? Because like they're media, right. no, they're not. Well, <laughs> but, like media, like media criticism is a real thing, right? It's a real, it's a real study, right? That talks yes. about like, like the limit, the, the benefits, but the limited limitations as well of the media landscape that we find ourselves in. And yeah, the news is a part of that, right? Like the, the, like, so you, you, so you look at something like the, the, the flip side of the news, not reporting on AstraZeneca and somebody saying, Hey, people found that people get blood clots from wh- whatever. Like, I, I don't actually know the story, but uh, I know it has to do with blood clots, right? And saying that the news knew about this but chose not to report on it, you get just as much inflammation, right? The problem with the news is that because it's a limited amount of the information that's out there, it blows, like, just the fact that they're reporting on it blows it out of proportion, right? So, like, it just, with every media narrative, with every um, media channel that we have, right, we, we get the same thing with digital, where we get positives and uh, we get benefits but we also get like drawbacks of that ecosystem that ecology um and with the news that happens to be the fact that you focus on one event you make it seem like it's really important or really drastic even if it's not and you're just reporting on it to inform people and give them 
the full information that you have currently, right? Yeah, and I don't know. I think I, I even recall this in like a film 101 class back in college days. It was like, you got to be aware that like any story you tell in any facet, fiction, nonfiction, it's still through the eyes of one person. And then it's even through that, the eyes of the person and of the media. Right? And then also the person that's absorbing it. Like, it's like, yeah. how am I going to take this? And how am I going to question it? Do I need to question it? Or do I just like trust this person, take it wholeheartedly? Do I run it through a search? And then now my search apparently is going to be totally like dictated by like, I don't know, Joe Biden, I guess right now. <laughs> I don't know. Like no, the search doesn't. on Google, it's like, that's also no. like some form of filter. Like it's just, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So like truth is filtered and that's part of the stories that we tell ourselves, right? That like like this is why it's all like like this is why he says it's a lie, right? Like this is why he says like we believe in this lie, right? We 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 believe in this lie that Estrazonica is um is unsafe, uh, because the news reporter right, like so like that it's just that the the stories that we tell are are absolute in our mind, but mm -hmm. really are very much not right. They're 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 extremely, um, yeah. And it, well, I choose to believe in this moment that AstraZeneca is fine because that's the vaccine. Yeah, that yeah. You were like, like you were convincing yourself, like you were like telling yourself like these stories are like no, it like like I'm I'm on the low spectrum of. Uh, of risks for blood clots, I blah blah blah. Sure. Right, like those are all, all all the stories you were telling yourself. To, the like, story I told myself too was I was like, I'm not a scientist, I'm not a doctor, I'm gonna believe that this man who is sitting in front of me right now, shooting this thing into my arm, knows more than me. Therefore, I'm gonna go for it because you're right. Like the the pros outweighed the cons in that moment. And hmm. Okay, I do want to bring it back to theater, right? Like. Of course. Um, it's a theater podcast. It's a theater. No, but like the reason, like the reason why this matters is because I think I'll, I'll, I'll and, and I kind of, this is with me acknowledging the fact that there is a recency bias, right? Like where the information that you uh, absorbed recently is more likely to uh, like it, um, uh, alter your, 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 um, your mindset, right? But like, I do know that like over the course of this podcast, I myself have, advocated that we uh, as theater com as theater companies be more proactive in talking about the benefits of theater in order to reach more people in order to convince people that theater is worth trying right that we're not making the arguments i think i've said that like several times we're not making the arguments for theater enough and i do think that still is true right and that conversation we had with patty yeah like convinces me more than ever that I agree. we've been there's a much more of an opportunity for us to be advocates for ourselves and, mm. and to do that. But where this plays a part is as we're thinking about reopening, right? Like our marketing strategies, we don't need to convince people to come to theater. We don't need to tell people a story of like, here are the, here are the reasons why you need to come to theater. We don't need to be telling people who are wanting to stay home or who are wanting to blah, blah, blah to come to theater there is there are people out there who's who are telling each other stories or who are telling themselves stories where we just need to say hey we're here now right like like 
like there and 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 more, those will be much like what your story is what your marketing story is like it's not something that you're gonna get at, like in 30 seconds on off podcast but like w- one example would be like don't tell don't try to get people who want to stay home and watch netflix to come see a show get the people who are planning to go out and who are looking mm-hmm. for something to do and be like this is the best thing you can be doing right mm-hmm. like you're looking for a great night with your friends and you don't know what to do come here right it's a show it's a it's a drink it's it's food right like give them that right like fit the story of the people who are there find i hate the word your tribe like find the people who are your advocates find the people who are are already there who are already telling themselves man i wish i could do something tonight that was that's fun that's going to like be exciting to do with my friends right like find like tell that story and connect with those people and then they will spread your message there's a large group of people that i talked to recently they are theater people already but they are fucking sick of online theater right now <laughs> You're, like, yeah sick of it right which makes me just feel like in what in regards to what you're saying not only are like these people are going to come back anyway because they were theater supporters prior however i'm going this is proof that we need to figure out how to like bottle and like at least i don't know text-based and like be like you know what you can't just throw it on TV because we're sick of it and it's not the same and there's a difference and that difference might be really difficult to explain and it might be um, different per person, but it's what's, what's not different per person is that we're all fucking tired of it. And then we want to gather as a group and experience an event. Yeah. 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 And, and the clearer you can be about that story, right? Like, like again like i think that i've said this before but like you're not competing with other theater companies you're competing with all the other things that there are to do on a friday night mm-hmm. on a thursday night on a saturday matinee right like that's those are your competitions and so the story that you got to tell is the one that's going to beat those and coming out of lockdowns <laughs> like is the time it is like like i don't think that any theater company should feel anything other than excitement like not excitement, yes. but like the, the, there's this uh, incredible opportunity where people are coming out of their homes and they are wanting to do something. Some won't. Don't talk to them. Like you don't have to convince the people who are not like cool about going and and doing public things to to do to to come to theater, right? Like they will see other people having fun, and slowly they'll they'll be won over. Like there's there's another section that I, I sent to you that I do want to read that like really made me think like this is very this makes me think of the theater company a lot right he's talking about Napster right and he's talking about uh, so Seth Rogen says the record I industry I am obsessed with Napster by the way <laughs> I don't know if I've told you this enough I think this is the first thing that made me think about <laughs> the podcast was you and I was like oh this like this would be right up Kate's obsessed. <laughs> So the record industry is, uh, and then I read like the theater industry is on the whole obtuse and reactionary and short-sighted, but they also don't pay a lot of attention to worldview, right? So what sort of person uses the original Napster or LimeWire or other P2P service? The knee-jerk analysis done by those at the Recording Industries Association is to say that those kinds of people are people who don't want to pay for music. But the real answer is that the people, so I, I, people who um 
use Napster are people with a worldview that says that music and especially new music is important to them, right? So, and this is, he goes on, Seth Godin says, well, that sounds a lot like a worldview of a typical record buyer and concert goer, doesn't it? Not what the recording industry said, where it's like people who don't want to buy music, right? They do want to buy music. They want to consume more music. It doesn't like, yeah. like they, more and more and more, right? But it was just like the fashion in which it was being consumed was no longer acceptable because it was inconvenient. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. And so and so Godin goes on, he says, Wilco gets this. Wilco's a hugely successful rock band that released their latest album in its entirety online for free. Right? So now I'm gonna stop the, the this is no longer part of the quote, but like like when what Wilco did is they understood that their audience were not thieves, right? And he goes on talks about that, right? Like like if you treat your audience like thieves, it's bullshit, right? Like like their audience were not thieves. They were people who loved music so much they wanted to listen to it and they turned them into contributors. But more than that, they made they made their music something that was easy to consume and to share to people. Yes. Right? Like they made it easy for people to spread it to people. Right. And that's like, not devaluing your music. No, it's making it it's valuing it even more, right? Yes. So you, oh like my they talk God, about like preach. like if you have a loaf of bread and you steal a loaf of bread, yes, you're short a loaf of bread, right? But if somebody takes your album, your music album, and puts it online, what they've actually done is they spread it for you. Like, instead of having one person listen to your music album, you've got thousands, if not millions of people listening to it, right? Yes. And, and so all of this is a part of this shift, right? Like, that we... like. Yes, it's great that the the pandemic has forced us to think digital, and that's great, right? And now we're going to go back from the pandemic, and we're all tired of digital theater, and we're going to go back. And so, but there's this shift that's happened where we need to be thinking about our audience, right? And the the, mm-hmm. the things, the ways that we can leverage the excitement that they have and get them to spread it and make it easy for them to spread it, because that's what we want. We want to spread theater, right? We want to evangelize theater across the entire world and make it put it in everybody's homes so that everybody sees theater goes like man i really want to go that like i want to go to that live one day right and we've made it easy for them yes that's my dip your toe i think okay there's a few things one you were talking about like sort of like um having supporters or like people who like you know, when we reopen it's like there's going to be people who come back because they want to come back because they obviously just miss they miss the experience. Yes, yeah. I 100% agree. The people who don't give a shit, let's just ignore them. I don't know if I 100% agree with that. I think, but for me, it's like, okay, you don't need to come to the theater. You don't have to come. You don't have to like what I'm doing. But I would like you to empathize with what I'm doing. And I would like you to understand. Because there are things that are out there that I'm like, I don't fucking know what you're doing. I don't want to go see it. But I also know that like it might be necessary for the civic budget do you know what I mean and to me that's like the form of advocacy that I'm really fascinated by it's like you don't have to be in like an artsy fartsy nerd who like comes out to theater and like maybe you don't like going out for dinner maybe you don't like leaving your house that's totally okay but I also don't want that to mean that you are anti this in your civic line budget or your provincial sign line budget no, and I think that completely works with it, right? Like, so in your case, like the message that you're trying to spread is that you should support the arts, whether you go to them or not. Yes. Right? Like that's the and message. Here, and, 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 so, and the message that I always like is like, it's, it's, and here's why. 
you know, like, yeah. here's why it's important. But, but the, the message that we'll carry is not one that's convincing people who oppose those things, right? You need like your core, the people who will spread your message for you are the people who are like, Oh yeah, I do love those things. Right. And yeah. okay. Yeah. I, I, yes, I absolutely will support it. Right. And so like, if you can build that audience understanding what those like what the things that are important to them are mm -hmm. and how supporting the arts lets them do that mm -hmm. then they will spread your message for you and you don't have to be going like to this one person support the arts and to this one no like, no like not you at all just reach you just your have to understand niche. that it's not something that because you might not necessarily understand it or maybe you don't like it doesn't mean that it's totally worthless yeah and, and but you don't need to do that to convince somebody to come and see a show, right? Like that's for like, if you're trying to get advocacy, yep. if you're trying to sell tickets to your show, like I would recommend like, like, and, and you can do two things, right? You can be like building advocacy for the arts on the one hand, and we should all be doing that right now. Right. So this, I think that's an important part of the conversation is who are we going to reach? Who are going to be our supporters and what are those values and what are those things that are important to them that we can say, well, theater and the arts, are the best way to do those things, right? Um, and then on the other hand, like as theaters are reopening, like who's gonna come and fill your twenty five percent of your house? That's gonna yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, hundred percent, hundred percent. The other thing I was thinking about was like sharing. Yeah. What did I, I wrote? Sharing versus FOMO, or sharing equals FOMO. So it's like there's this like level of like FOMO that I think like and. Okay, hang on. I'm going to back up. Uh, digital theater. Yes, I'm fucking sick of digital theater. I don't want to watch theater on stage anymore. I want, or on my computer, or my house anymore. I want to watch theater in a theater with like 500 other people. That's where I'm at. I do still value digital theater and I do value like the way that we've been able to transition forcefully because of a pandemic, but thank fucking God it's about goddamn time because there are like realities of people who can't get out of their house because of accessibility. There are realities of people who don't live here and can't see a show here because they're in another country or maybe another city or whatever. And I do love the idea of being able to share live performance with somebody who might want to see a show maybe specifically a Ghost River theater show, but physically can't for whatever reason. And I think that's very, very exciting. And that's a huge like silver lining to like the way that the industry has worked prior to the pandemic. So, and not even just for marketing purposes. Yes, for marketing purposes, because then maybe like some other country will go, great, let's book these people and let's bring them out to our country and we will do an international tour or a national tour, but also just because there are people out there that just physically can't leave their house, but maybe do want to enjoy theater and, and their capacity is to watch it digitally. So I think that there is an accessibility level there that's been missed in the past that people don't really think about. So that's where I'm at with like the digital aspect of it all. Yeah. I, I also think that like we've been very, limited in a way like i it's that's unfair because like i'm sure that like it's been explored in all the possible ways right but i think that they're one of the ways that i've seen people gravitate towards the digital side is to make it strictly live 
right? Because they're like, oh, well, theater is live and uh, we can do live streaming. So we're going to do it live streaming. And then if you miss the live stream, then you're fucked, right? Like, yeah, that for no, you, and that's, right? that's, that's different between, yes, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like, you know, the live streaming, there might also be like, like I've said too, like there's also limitations in terms of like time difference. Like we're on yeah. the Western time, Western time fucking sucks for the rest of the goddamn world because we're like way too late for like anybody in like, you know, Toronto and New York yeah. and whatever. <laughs> so yeah. there's and also anybody like, who's got kids where you've got a show that starts at eight, like I'm like, I'm not making that show. Yeah. <laughs> like, so like I want to sh- watch a billion limitations like and it's not about not, lack of trying it's just whatever your like whatever your situation may yeah. be i just want it i just want us to be able like we talked we i don't know was it part of the recording but we talked about fences at the beginning right like where like it it's it's in no ways like live it's in no, no way a shared experience different. but it is without a doubt theater like it like i'm in a movie club and people are like there's so much dialogue in this movie and i'm like yeah isn't it great? <laughs> but remember when we talked about, you and I talked about a million years ago, no one else listened to this, but we were talking about like, you know, there was even like resistance around the written word. Yeah. Yeah. Because printing, it was going to, yeah, because it was going to like decrease like this and that. And then now there's resistance around like, you know, there's resistance around like internet because of the same reason. There's, there's, there's always resistance around some form of communication that is new and scary because people are always concerned about it, like lessening the like experience, lessening the written word, lessening, you know, how you communicate, blah, 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 blah. It's, it's not lessening anything. It's just changing it. So don't fucking fear for change, but know that there might be like a little bit of, you know, growing pains that are in between it's grown before, right? Like you look at the difference between the globe, like theater in the globe and then theater in the 19th century. Like, I, f- I feel yeah. like this was our very first episode. Like you talked about the dark room experience. Like that's a, that's a change in theater yes. and the and, experience and of theater. Like the, and the Elizabethan the would lose their shit about a dark room theater. <laughs> They'd be like, what do you mean? I can't talk. What do you the mean? Ability, I can't? The- the ability to live stream theater and even film it and like share it isn't going to degrade theater. And we've proven that in a pandemic. Yeah. The fact of the matter is, is that you're like, listen, it's, it's, it's increased my ability to share it. Yeah. But that's what you want. But yes, because you want people to go, man, I want to see that live. Get it in more people's houses. This is like what we need to be doing is getting theater in as many people's houses as possible. It doesn't have to be live. It doesn't have to be like you, you look at any kind of like, and, and theater is not inventing event marketing, right? (laughs) Like events exist. People are doing events all over the world and there are different ways of marketing events and like presenting events and, and sharing events and making events accessible, right? So yeah. I think like we don't, we're not alone in trying to figure this out and trying to solve this problem. We can yes. draw on like a lot of large corporations have spent thousands and tens of thousands and probably millions of dollars trying to figure out how to put their event and uh, online and make it accessible. And we can draw from that knowledge and wisdom and not have to uh, reinvent the wheel every single time. I agree. I agree. And I think that sharing, even if it's like a digital experience, will still, there will be a a group of people who still have FOMO. Like I, I was thinking about like the first time, like, um, 
my first experience with like the musical rent, which was like a big deal to me, like back when I was in like grade, like I think nine or 10, um, when it came out or whatever, I think the first time I ever saw it really was like, I used to watch the Tony awards and that's how I knew what musicals were going on at the time. There wasn't really, there was the internet, but there wasn't the internet, like how we know it now. I didn't, that's how I understood what was happening in the theater world was the Tony awards. And then my mom bought like the CD and it was like one of those two disc ones. So it was like super thick. And I listened to the CD and because it's like kind of like a Sondheim type musical, it was like, you know, a hundred, it almost felt like a hundred percent of it was just like all sung. So it's like, really, you got like a really good idea of the entire musical just through the songs that were on the track. And then eventually I did see it and I was like, Whoa, there's dialogue. And I'm like, this isn't on the CD. This is super fucked up. Oh my God. I didn't know that actually happened. <laughs> like, Oh my God, she dies. Like what happened here? Like, or whatever, but it didn't, neither experience was worse or better than the other. It was just feeding each other. And that's what I think that this is where we sort of like get afraid or this is yeah. where we get really like black and white or, Oh my God, these this are, is, this is shit that Noom tells me. This oh. is where, okay, <laughs> this is a great way to kind of wrap it up because like if I were to do, I, like in my bachelor's degree, I did a bachelor's in theater and I had to go back and do a bachelor's in communications. And if I, and, and I considered doing a master's because I was really enjoying the media studies aspect of things. And if I had done a, a master's, what I would have studied is the idea of transmedia storytelling, like how you can take a story and telling it, tell it differently based on the media that you were telling it through right because like we said like the media changes the message the media that you choose the medium right is a part of the message and it affects the way it's told right yeah. so instead of being afraid of it right this is all part of like this this episode is going to be called leaning in like <laughs> we need to lean in we need to lean into it right like lean into the transmedia aspect give digital audiences something that a live audience doesn't give and then give that live audience like yes. that incredible experience that everybody is dying to have right like and don't pretend that they're the same thing like I think yeah, don't pretend they're the same thing yeah it, that's something that we're exploring right now at ghost river too is like we're looking at creating a live slash live streamed experience but neither experience is going to be the same thing and that's what's exciting about it but neither experience is going to be better than the other and neither experience is going to be worse than the other. But, but we're not going to pretend that they're the same because that's stupid because they're not. But getting seats to the actual show is better. Yeah. And donating. Yeah. And donating. Is better. <laughs> <laughs> and advocating is the best charitable uh, tax receipts <laughs> i did i <laughs> well, donations over twenty dollars is that what it is and will match twenty percent on atb cares <laughs> uh so a good way to wrap it up i thought is i'd kind of leave you with uh my biggest marketing recommendation as we're thinking about reopening Right. And that is building a warm audience. Uh, so uh, now's your time. Like, you've got. Do you got... mean like turning up the thermostat? I turn up the thermostat. Like, show a little shoulder. No. <laughs> is that what you meant? It's so cold um, sometimes in the theater. <laughs> for those old people. No. Um, 
No, you're it, mostly this is going to be about your email list, right? Hopefully you have an email list. And if you don't, now is, now is your time to be cultivate, cultivating an email list mm-hmm. and then providing them with value, whether that's uh, educational value. That depends entirely on your brand, right? Uh, educational value, entertaining value, inspiring value, right? Something that makes them go, oh, yes, I can't wait to come back, right? That's what you need to be doing right now. Cultivate Ooh, your warm audience. That's a good Start one. warming up your audience now. Right. Can't start wait sending emails. To come back. Create content. Like, start providing that value. That's what. That's you need a good to do one. Now. I like it. I like yeah. it. Don't we, wait until you know what you're doing. Do it now. Like that's the biggest thing. Like people are gonna be like, okay, yeah. well we gotta figure out what, where our season's gonna be, and we gotta know what they. We don't know no. what our season's gonna be because no. we don't know what the government's gonna let us do. Yeah. No. And and you don't need to communicate that. Like just provide value to your audience. Right, great articles because we can't wait to come back. Great TikToks, like whatever it is. Yeah, we can't Ugh. wait to come back. I'm pumped. Right? Lean into it. I can't wait to come back. I can't wait to come back, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go see. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go broke watching theater. For so real, I'm gonna buy like <laughs> a season subscription for once. <laughs> I want to do one of those things where it's like a season subscription to like ten different theater Ugh. companies. Right? They always like. Do it in a they never work. They, they no, never because work. everybody gets all pissy about rates and we'll just, find a way. We'll find something. We'll find something. There's we'll always deals. Problems. This has been Miscuse. Thanks so much for joining us. It's been a fantastic little chat between me and Kate. I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. This has been lovely. I hope it didn't yeah, sound super lovely. shitty. I feel like it sounded lovely. Oh.